Hi, and welcome to the Sales Enablement Pro Podcast. I am Shauna Simawang. Sales enablement is a constantly evolving space, and we're here to help professionals stay up to date on the latest trends and best practices so that they can be more effective in their jobs. Today, I'm excited to have Catherine Schoberlein at Twitch at Amazon Advertising join us. Catherine, I would love for you to introduce yourself, your role, and your organization to our audience. Hi, my name is Catherine Schoberlein. I am a Global Enablement uh, Twitch at Amazon Advertising. Um, I started at Twitch two years ago, um, and prior to that, I worked for a variety of different startups in the San Francisco Bay Area. Before I got into enablement, uh, I was very involved in education. I started as a K-12 educator uh, and worked my way up into administrative roles. Uh, within middle school and high schools, and then pivoted to the enablement space when I was living in the San Francisco Bay Area. Enablement was a great fit for the skills uh, that I had developed as an educator, uh, and it was a great way to kind of make the connection to working with curriculum, working with training, working with uh, creating learning pathways, uh, and some of the skills that I had developed uh, in the classroom and as an administrator. And so that's where I have been building my career for the last few years um, in the kind of global enablement, uh, sales enablement space in tech companies. Well, we're very excited to have you on our show, Catherine. I, I love to learn more about how folks have come into enablement from a variety of backgrounds. And, and as you mentioned in your introduction, you have an extensive background in education, including both classroom teaching um, and enablement, but also outdoor education. Um, I'd love to start there. How does your outdoor education experience influence your approach to enablement? Outdoor education was always a huge part of the reason why I loved teaching uh, in the first place. It was an opportunity to get students outside the traditional confines of a classroom, um, get them excited about learning about the natural world, experiencing some of the same skills that we wanted them to learn in the classroom, but in a totally different context. Um, One of the things that I love about outdoor education that I've been able to apply in a lot of the work that I've done in enablement is the development of skills like decision-making or problem-solving, empathy towards others, and and kind of that classic uh, learning by doing philosophy. Um, I found that outdoor education, you have to think about things in a different way when you are 1,500 feet up a mountain and something goes wrong, or when you are trying to figure out, how do I put together this tent and I have a missing pole for it? Um, Or thinking about going on a class hiking trip and you have some friends there who may be very experienced hikers and you have other friends who this may be the first time they've ever been hiking. How do you help work as a collaborative team on your hike to make sure that everybody stays together and and works together to get to your final destination safely? Um, I think a lot of that's enveloped in, in the concept of learning by doing. You, the more you practice something or the more you kind of step outside of your traditional boundaries and try something different or um, try something for the first time, you ignite those learning pathways um, that help you to develop skills like uh, self-confidence or the ability to kind of creatively problem solve in situations that are new to you. Um, so for me, outdoor education was kind of this great tie into all the, the traditional ways of learning that I was seeing in the classroom. Um, And a lot of, like I said, what I learned from being an outdoor educator, um, I try to apply in my 
adult education trainings and in the way that I um, help learners approach enablement. I think that's a fantastic application of your existing experience uh, into your current role. Now, you've also mentioned you're a strong advocate for experiential education or learning by doing. So in your experience, why is learning by doing so effective? And, and how have you created these experiences within your enablement programs? Yeah, absolutely. So I think that learning by doing or, or, you know, what's commonly referred to as experiential education, it's really conceptually, it's a tackling a real life problem by adapting and learning based on your interactions with, with the environment around you. So the, the pieces of the puzzle that you have, how can you mold those and, and change those around and experiment with those um, to, to get to the destination that you want to be in or to solve the problem that's at hand. I think that experiential learning is is super helpful for any type of learner, whether you're five or 55 or 105, because you're really modeling um, and learning to execute those new skills in, in an entirely new situation. Um, the more that you can kind of get your hands dirty with the experience, um, I think the more the learning sort of sticks, right? Think about like baking cookies. It's one thing to read the recipe. It's another thing to get in the kitchen and mix up the flour and the eggs and put it in the oven and taste the final product. So I try to always think about that, you know, kind of like baking of the cookie analogy when I'm working with um, creating uh, learnings or trainings for for learners of any age. Um, I think, you know, when you speak specifically about tech, for example, um, that guided practice is a huge component of that I found that helps learners kind of keep in mind those foundational pieces that are so important to um, increasing their ability to be confident in the skills that they have and, and developing and refining them over time. So for example, when I was doing a lot of um, sales enablement and, and training new reps on different products, for example, we did a lot of playing, not only playing with the product, right? In order to sell the product, you need to know what it does, like try it out, see what it looks like, run it by yourself, pull up the app, see how it works, get to talk to some of the product engineers and the product team, and just really understand the why. Why does this product exist? What is it doing? How does it work? Kind of the, the background of the, the entire experience. I did a lot of, uh, you know, utilizing tools where people were able to, early reps were able to shadow more veteran reps and hear them go through. The practice, um, we would use utilize like a checklist, like, hey, did the rep introduce themselves? Did they come in and, you know, give an objective for the call or an agenda? Um, you know, how, how many times did they ask questions? So that that checklist could help new reps kind of guide, okay, what does the framework look like for a really good sales call? Um, we did a lot of role playing and mock calls. So I would do things, for example, where I would get a bunch of situations that we were currently facing about a product that we were selling and we would, I'd type up these situations and we put them in a hat and we divide the room up into sellers and uh, potential customers and everybody would, you know, pull, pull a situation out of the hat and we would have to, you know, kind of work on that mock call. And the sellers wouldn't know what the customer's potential objections were and the, um, and the customer also had a series of questions that they had for the seller and the seller would need to like expound and, and, and talk 
and iterate on them as the conversation was going. So it gave kind of the ability to practice a real life situation by doing it in, in the most repeatable way possible without actually getting in the high stakes call situation. Um, and then again, you know, I think the last thing is a lot of gamification, right? If you can, if you can learn by doing and by gamifying it and making it fun and exciting, that just increases the engagement um, and gives learners a real chance to kind of take that information that they're interested in, in developing more thoughtfully and make it be a part of the framework of how they develop their thoughts and their learning about a specific topic. Now, I also want to dig in a little bit because um, your team recently launched a, a new e-learning for advertisers called Twitch Game Plan. Uh, with, with the rise in virtual learning over the past few years, what are some of the ways that practitioners can create opportunities for, for practice and reinforcement in a virtual learning environment? Absolutely. Um, Game Plan is our premier kind of agency training tool. Um, we use it to help agencies and uh, media buyers understand who Twitch is, what we are, what we can do, what kind of ad products that we have, and how they can leverage those ad products for their clients and brands. Uh, we made game plan with the idea that we wanted learners to come in, be able to understand the basic tenets of, of who we are and what we do, and also be able to think creatively about how our solutions might be helpful, effective, interesting for their own clients, for the, the media companies or for the uh, brands that were interested in advertising, but didn't really know where to start with Twitch. Uh, one of the ways that I think that we've really kind of focused on the practice of taking those learnings and reinforcing upon them um, is gamifying our learning pathway. So we worked uh, with eLearning Brothers who helped us to create these very interactive modules. Each of the modules has a lot of informational content, but it also has reinforcing games, whether it's matching or we have a couple of games where there's little races where you, you know, race little icons. We have examples of like a Twitch chat uh, where we use our bits and different uh, Twitch emojis to showcase conversations of how things would actually look on the Twitch platform to reinforce some of what Twitch is capable of as a as a service, and then also to reinforce um, the learning that we are trying to get across to, to our audience. Um, I think another thing that we've done that's been super helpful to kind of reinforce our, our key points, especially with virtual setup, for, for learning at this time um, is having some type of takeaway. Uh, we've created some downloadable one-pagers that are graphic heavy with kind of like the main points so that even if you're overwhelmed and you've listened to, you know, nine modules worth of information and it's all swimming around you in your head and you haven't had time to, you know, really digest all of it, we've got some one-pagers that you can download that you can take away those key points and bring them into your next meeting or sit with them and digest it before you have a client meeting and they want to talk a little bit more about Twitch. You've got those key points with you. Uh, another thing that we've found that's been really successful in getting learners excited about um, taking Twitch game plan and going through uh, the certification to become a Twitch expert is creating some sort of virtual live events, uh, whether it's through an exciting 
launch opportunity or through things like a seller's office hours, for example, where we block time on our calendar and then we invite agencies um, one by one to come in and, and block their calendars and we go through certification with them. We, we talk about the modules, um, we offer some type of um, FAQ help or um, technical help if they might need that. Uh, we're there to answer questions. We're there to kind of dive deeper into the modules. Um, and that's been a great way to take that e-learning experience and make it um, more individualized and more of a person-to-person -person experience when, when we give the ability to have learners connect in real time uh, with, our, with our team while they're also partaking in this e-learning experience. I think that's very cool. Now, when it comes to engaging participants in these learning experiences, uh, you've mentioned before that you're passionate about creating that like aha moment. How do you create those moments for learners? And, and how does engagement in a learning experience really, really translate to the success of the program? Uh, we've always heard, I know there's famous quotes, but the more engaged that you are with with any subject material or the more that you put into something, the more you're going to get out of it. Um, in a day and age right now where there's a thousand different trainings for things and everything's virtual and you're sitting through meetings all day, taking another training or doing another course or sitting through, you know, hours of onboarding can, can sometimes be tedious. And one of the things that I think that I try to focus on is how do we make that content engaging and exciting for learners and not just, oh boy, another, another training, another learning, another module that I have to do. I think the more engaged that a learner is, the more that they retain, and especially in sales, the more information that you retain, whether it's about a product or the sales framework or the methodology that your team uses, um, or even just about sales in general, about how to interact with people, about how to you know, show empathy in your conversations, how to ask questions, how to take notes um, when you're on a sales call. The more that you are engaged with understanding that and the more you are engaged with learning new techniques, uh, the more that you will be able to retain and put into practice. And of course, like we always hear, the more you practice, the better you perform. I think creating those aha moments where you are able to create a learning or develop a, a type of training where you lead learners 90% of the way, and then you let them kind of come to that conclusion on their own is helpful. Are we always successful at doing that? No. Sometimes there are some learnings where you have to give them step by give all learners a step-by-step -step instructions or very concrete steps here and there. Um, something like sales scripting, for example, is one of those places where I feel like you can really develop an aha moment. Having a prescribed script is not a great way, in my opinion, for sellers to be their authentic selves when they're on a phone call with a potential customer. Um, I have always preferred that when we talk about helping new reps learn about a product and speak fluently about a product on a phone call with a client that we utilize a framework of bullet points or a framework of general ideas and then let them talk about it and develop their own cadence of language or their own uh, different take on the topic at hand. Um, 
it's more deliberate when the sales rep is able to use their own language or use their own uh, cadence in, to help uh, have a, a natural phone call uh, with someone. And again, you know, I, I know that I have been on phone calls before, whether it's with, you know, sales reps or even people calling me to, to sell me different products where I can tell that they're reading a piece of paper in front of them. And of course that comes across as, oh boy, another sales pitch. I'm not interested. Thanks anyway. So I try to help our reps get to that aha moment by giving them the framework and then letting them experiment with it on their own. So you know what, maybe a sales rep goes through and they try to write a script and they realize, oof, yikes, that didn't go as well as I thought. Give them the framework to experiment with that. Let them make their own conversational piece about a product or about specific components of what they're trying to sell and let them be, oh, wow, when I, use, when I say it in my way or when I make it, when it makes sense to me and how I talk about it, this is great. I've already got a second call book. This is awesome. So I think helping to create those guardrails that like a framework for a sales quote unquote script helps to create those aha moments down the line so that you are not leading them straight to the solution, but you're giving them the opportunity to explore and experiment on their own and find what works for them. And of course, anytime that an authentic learner figures out, hey, I can do this on my own. And like, you know, I get this. This is awesome. That just increases the confidence that they have, their excitement about what they're doing. And of course, a confident and excited sales rep is somebody who's going to be making sales. <laughs> and that's what we all want. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, now you touched on this just a, a moment ago, and I want to I want to double click into it, um, where you were talking about experimentation. Um, I'd I'd love to understand um, how how is experimenting with new ideas an important part of your process as an enablement leader, and and then how does experimentation help you refine your programs? So experimentation for me is like one of the key foundations of being a lifelong learner, right? Learning just doesn't stop when you graduate from school. Learning doesn't stop once you've onboarded and you know all the products you're selling. It's a continuous, ever-changing part of the of, of life, of the learning process. Um, so I love experimentation. I always, you know, when I was a classroom teacher to even now in enablement, I'm always open to new ideas. I love hearing what other people are doing. I love iterating on projects that I've done in the past. What can I do differently? How can I make this better? How can I refine this? Um, I think finding what works is just as important as finding what doesn't work, what resonates with learners and what was a total miss. Uh, some of the ways that I try to take advantage of kind of that experimentation when I am building programs or learning pathways is through um, beta testing, for example. So I'll make, I'll mock up an example, um, you know, role play, or I'll mock up a uh, training and I will have, I'll handpick some people from my organization, sellers to directors um, to, you know, even, even people that aren't even associated with it. Somebody maybe on HR, and say, hey, what do you think of this? Do you have time to just like do a once over glance? Does this make sense? Is this like interesting to you? Um, you know, what what kind of feedback do you have? Is this, is it make sense? Is it confusing? 
I also like to try it myself and step outside of the, you know, blinders that I sometimes get in enablement and say, okay, this makes sense to me, but is this going to make sense to a brand new sales rep who's coming in for onboarding? Is this going to be engaging as a continued training for somebody who's been selling here for five years and knows the product inside and out? Um, so I think gathering that feedback and kind of doing that like beta testing before I release or launch anything is uh, super helpful in figuring out what does my audience need um, and what are they looking for to make this exciting, make this engaging and make this a worthwhile learning journey. Um, I think another key component of, of the experimentation and how I kind of utilize that in my um, building of enablement programs is always, always, always keeping why as the central question to everything that we're doing. So why is this important? Why is this our business objective? Why do this activity? Especially with adult learners, I feel like if you set it up and you're like, we're going to do this and that's the end of it people immediately tune out. It's same with fifth graders, right? Same with kids. If they're like, okay, we have to learn about this. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, why? I don't have a good answer for why. Great. Kids are tuned out. They're not paying attention. Adults are tuned out. They're not paying attention. If you lead with a why, this is why we're doing this training. This is why it's important to practice your mock calls. This is why we are going to do, you know, this specific uh, feedback grading that helps to give learners the ability to think about um, how the program can be helpful or successful for them uh, in terms of, of learning. And then it also helps me to continually refine and iterate on my programs because sometimes that why changes. Sometimes it, it, it becomes, okay, well, this isn't necessarily a business need anymore, but this is a super important skill. So let me re let me rephrase this. Let me relook at things and make sure that the why is lining up so that it doesn't come off as, well, you just have to do it because, or this program exists because it's just a program that has to exist. Oh, absolutely. I have two young children myself, and I know that that route does not work nine times out of 10. Now, Last question for you, uh, you know, and yeah, I think you, this is something that I've heard you say before that failures and mistakes are an inevitable part of the learning process. As an enablement leader, how do you cultivate a learning environment where people really feel safe making mistakes? And, and how does that help reps improve their confidence? Like you said, I think mistakes and misses are part of any successful learning process. I'm sure if you go and ask Tom Brady, um, he will tell you that there's been a lot of misses and mistakes in his career, but he's still out there as one of the greatest quarterbacks, if not the greatest quarterback of all time. So mistakes and misses are part of what get you to be at the top of your game, literally and figuratively. Um, for me, what I always like to make sure that A, everybody knows that a general context setting, mistakes are part of this. There are no perfect sales reps, out of the box. Nobody shows up and is automatically like top sales leader for their region. It, you know, two weeks into the show, six months into the show, a year into it. There are always things that you can learn. There are always going to be things that trip you up. There are always going to be things that you thought were going to be an, an easy success that turns out to be a big failure. And there are things that you go into and you might be like, oh, I don't know about this. And they turn out to be a raging success. So understanding that there's an ebb and flow and there's a give and take 
and that mistakes are just as important as successes and setting that context like from day one um, with with new reps, I think is super important. Some of the things that I do um, to help reps understand that mistakes are part of it. Um, I would have some of our top reps. And of course, everybody knows in an organization, like, who are your top sellers? You know, word goes around during onboarding. Oh, these people are great. Like, you know, kind of watch what he does at his desk or, you know, she's been top of the charts for like a number of months. Like, you know, listen to her calls. You get a chance. I love to bring those reps in and have them highlight this one time when I blew this deal or, oh my gosh, I forgot to take notes for this meeting and it, you know, I lost the client because those things happen. But I also try to have them explain. And from that time when I blew that call, this is what I changed. And now look what happened. I wound up closing this big deal. Or I forgot to take notes that time and it was a total mess coming into it. And so next time I used a kind of a notes template and I really used that template until I got it down pat. And then that was able to help inform me from my next calls. And these amazing notes that I took for this call helped me close this deal six months later, and it was the biggest deal of my career so far. So I try to showcase the fact that there are going to be misses. Um, there are going to be mistakes. It's totally part of it. Nobody closes every deal all the time, even though we all like to think so. And that, you know, I want to highlight that um, as part of the learning process. I also like to utilize a call recording uh, software that I can go back and, and give examples of. Here's a call that needs a little bit of work. And here's why. And here's the same person doing that call after they've gotten their feedback, after they sat down with their sales director and talked about what they could do better. And here's an example of how they changed the call. And, you know, they brought their talk time down. They set the agenda really early. They created follow-ups. So, you know, using, like, like I said, those real life examples and showcasing um, that, you know, no one gets to the top of their game by always winning and having things come easy, that there is a learning curve for everyone, for the top reps, for the sales directors, for the CEO. There's always going to be um, a learning curve and making sure that you're able to rebound from those mistakes or those misses, learn from them and apply those learnings is the key to is what's going to make you successful as uh, sales rep. It's what's going to make you successful in relationships. It's what's going to make you successful as a learner. It's what's going to make you successful with friendships. So I think just being able to identify when something didn't go the right way or missed a little bit or was off and then figuring out what we could do differently, applying that critical thinking and that that feedback from others who may have been there before you and has been through the same thing and then putting that into action will lead to will lead to success down the line. And it's it's okay to not be successful overnight. Absolutely. I think that's fantastic advice, not just for enablement, but life itself. Catherine, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciated learning from you. Thank you so much for having me. This was great. To our audience, thanks for listening. For more insights, tips, and expertise from sales enablement leaders, visit salesenablement.pro. If there's something you'd like to share or a topic you'd like to learn more about, please let us know. We'd love to hear from you.